Hey guys, my name is Jay. I'm one of the co-founders and the CEO at Imagine. I'm here with our community Gen Z lead, Anna. Welcome to our podcast, Imagine This, the podcast for all things Gen Z. Want to know more about Gen Z? Then join us for our 20-minute monthly podcast where we'll discuss what matters to Gen Z, how they think, and the incredible impacts they're having on society. In this, our second episode, we will talk with one of our Gen Z community members, Lee Grant, on her brutally honest views about Clubhouse and brands' reactions to the Black Lives Matter movement almost a year on from the protests. Lee, before we move on, tell us a little bit about yourself. How old are you and where are you from? Okay, thanks, Jay, for the introduction. Hi, everybody. I'm Lee. I'm a 24-year-old advertising and brand design um, graduate. Um, who currently dabbles in HR and payroll right now at a luxury retail brand. And I've been part of, imagine, I think it was it's, it was a year last week, which is so weird. Yes, I love that. You're, you're, you're basically a veteran of the community. That's amazing. <laughs> now, it's good to have you. It's good to have you. So what I'm going to do is um, I'm going to kick off with our first topic, which we're actually going to be discussing Clubhouse, which is if everybody anybody follows me on uh, LinkedIn, you'll see I actually love Clubhouse. So Anna, I'm actually going to come to you first. What do you think has been the engagement from Gen Z on Clubhouse so far? Thanks, Jay. Um, I was actually wondering the same when we were in the Clubhouse room where UJ hosted a panel a couple of weeks ago, uh, where Lee, by the way, was also one of the amazing guests. And I'm so glad to finally meet Lee um, in in a different audio room now, basically. Mm -hmm. So obviously, it's quite hard to tell as there are no metrics from Clubhouse in public domain yet. At least I haven't found any. But... uh, Over the past couple of weeks, uh, the search term, what is Clubhouse on Google Trends, actually has risen by 140%. And it is linked to the now famous Elon Musk's appearance on the platform where you had multiple overflowing rooms uh, of people trying to record a conversation. So since the social media engagement is highest among under 25 to under 27 anyway so we can assume there is a correlation that the engagement among gc has risen um, and what i've noticed personally is that um, the engagement seems to be quite high among the kind of tiktok audience segment who like career investing and different money making tips so in other words um those gen z who are convinced that working a full-time job all your life um is not a really good idea and the reason i think Clubhouse is great at attracting these users is that it has this extremely niche categories that are very personal as well in terms of the type of communication and these groups are very easy to discover and follow. And I think it works definitely better than hashtags. And it's more straightforward for users than TikTok algorithm. More like a music recommendation on Apple Music and Spotify. Um, so yeah, I think uh, I think the engagement is going to be growing across different niche categories. Yeah, I love that. I love the way you've I love the way you've deep dived on that, man. Like um as a as a Gen Z, which you are, it's really interesting to hear you talking about the personal categories and how um people can almost um choose which part of the platform they want to get engaged with so they can really personalize the platform for themselves. And it's really funny that you you talked about Elon Musk and the the clout that he brought to the platform, which has been really interesting. What about you, Lee? Uh what are your thoughts? Well, I would just echo exactly kind of what Anna said it's been really interesting to see how people have kind of personalized their whole experience on Clubhouse the way that they're engaging with it is to be 
you know, personalizing the whole experience on the platform itself. So if you don't want to have access to things like cryptocurrencies or talking about, I don't know, um, the diaspora and, and the effect that has on generational trauma or whatever it is, um, you don't have to have access to those things. So it's a really good way of being able to manipulate kind of what you want to be to be involved in and what you want to have access to. Um, so the engagement, I feel like, has been, I guess, uh, very, like, personal is the best word i think it's just personal yeah yeah i think i think it's such a good answer and i think it's it's really interesting because when i think of clubhouse and i look at the the so say for example on instagram it's it's personal in a way because the algorithm is learning what we want and they're kicking out what we've been liking but that almost feels like a behind the scenes thing with clubhouse it almost feels like i get to select what the algorithm's given me, even though I know I'm doing that on Instagram, it just feels like I'm more engaged because I know if I specifically go into these specific channels, I'm going to start getting the, the um, more of that similar type of content. So it's really interesting that you both picked up on that. Sticking with you, Lee, um, when I use Clubhouse sometimes, there seem to be quite a few like snake oil salespeople moderating rooms. Um, they're people that are like selling. That, so like I saw one recently where somebody was selling, they were telling people oh, how to be a millionaire. And then a person came in the room and said, is anybody in this room actually a millionaire? And then they kicked that person out of the room that asked a question. And I, seem, I feel like sometimes Clubhouse can, can seem a little fake. Um, what do you think about that? And also, do you think there's um, any way that Clubhouse could, could combat that? Yeah, it's so interesting you say that because... I haven't really been privy to any of those rooms. And it goes back to what we're saying about the personalization of Clubhouse in itself. Um, I have noticed that there is a rising number of like moderators on stage that are saying, like spewing misinformation. Um, and it does definitely come across as kind of fake. And I think it's really hard for, um, I think it's really, really hard for Clubhouse to kind of like, kind of moderate the moderators if you know what I mean um um yeah I just I think what's happening on Clubhouse is that a lot of people are seeing it as like a platform a little bit like Instagram a little bit like Twitter where you can try and like gain followers I guess in your rooms and try and like kind of get some clout from moderating sometimes controversial rooms and stuff like that which I don't necessarily think is going to be um as fulfilling as a lot of people think it may be, because to be like a, I guess, quote unquote, famous moderator, I don't know how that's necessarily going to work. But yeah, I definitely think there's a lot of, there's a lot of spewing misinformation. Um, I'm not sure about the selling things and how to become a millionaire because I'm not privy to it. But I definitely think there's like lots of misinformation flying about. Yeah, it's really interesting you said that because um, basically you're saying that I've been choosing the wrong rooms. <laughs> but it's cool. I'm not offended. I'm not offended. But I think, yeah, it's, 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 it's really important about what you're speaking about with people, how to moderate the moderators. Because people I have seen on there, people saying, okay, everybody go on mute and just follow each other. So it's almost like people aren't trying to go onto the platform. To, some people aren't trying to go on the platform to have a conversation. They're going on there sometimes just to try and get clout and just trying to get followers for their Instagram or for their other social media pages, um, which is interesting. And I think it's it's going to be exciting to see how Clubhouse deals with that and, and moves forward. What about you, Anna? What are your thoughts? Do they differ from, from Lee or I? Um, 
actually very, very interesting points uh, you guys made. Uh, I totally get that vibe too. Um, as you scroll down, you see way too many profile pics that look too polished, too perfect. And, you know, description, they say it's a conversation, but like it's very obvious that it's a sales talk. But for all advertisers, the medium is the message. Whatever the new medium comes up, the message is going to be the same. Like they want you to buy, they want you to subscribe, etc. And I think I definitely agree with you, Jade, that it will be very interesting to watch how Clubhouse might combat it as a platform when it becomes stronger and when more non-business founders, entrepreneur users are on the platform. So when there is a bigger crowd, uh, that segment of you know sellers and advertisers will become smaller, hopefully, and then we'll see something interesting out of it. Yeah, I really like that. I like the idea of once the, the the moment you've got a lot of early adopters on the platform, probably less now, but when in the first few months, it was quite a few early adopters on the platform. And now you've probably get more of the the mass and um, the, 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 the next generation of people coming onto the platform that aren't the early adopters. But I definitely think one thing that Clubhouse are doing well, and I'll finish on this, is um, they're, they're paying creators from the go. So going back to what Lee was saying a second ago with moderators trying to get clout and trying to imp, um, get more followers on the platform, I think they're probably trying to do that because they know when Clubhouse start to actually monetize um, and say to people, hey, we're going to pay you to create content on the platform, um, those people that have got the most followers are probably the most likely that are going to be asked to get to pay, make that content. And there's a really interesting article um, that Vogue Business did today um, which p- folks can find online, which I saw. Um, and it speaks about um, the, the power that brands can, um, the things that brands can do with Clubhouse and um, the exciting ways that, that they and just normal individuals can use Clubhouse themselves. But yeah, I think that's really, really cool. Um, but we're going to move on to our next topic. Um, and I'm actually going to start with you, Lee, because obviously last year's uh, Black Lives Matter protests caused brands to be extremely vocal about the need for ethnic diversity in so many places. Um, we saw black squares popping all, all, all over the gaff. Um, mm-hmm. What are your thoughts on what brands have been doing since last year's protests? Well, um, you know how I feel about this, kind of already based on like what I say on LinkedIn and stuff. Um, I honestly do think that the loudest brands have been doing the least work. And that's just... And, you know, it's it's so apparent to everybody, especially, you know, uh, like Gen Z, our generation is like so it's so apparent to us that this is was like a lot of um, just like a very like tokenistic way of trying to show allyship. It was it doesn't seem very real. Um, And brands are really bad at taking an issue or a trend and amplifying it in the most obvious and public ways and then not continuing to do the work. Um, a lot of it's been about diversifying their models or people on the TV or, you know, in like outward facing things, but not really focusing on the internal side of the business itself. And if they have tried to do that, they've been really funny and doing this thing where they're hiring a diversity and inclusion manager who's black. And it's just incredibly peculiar to me because one, it tells me that you're too lazy as a brand to really do the work to be anti-racist and you're just trying to use this black person as like a token and, and and as a buffer and two because also as well and I think this is a massive issue that brands have is that not recognizing that black people don't speak on on behalf of all western ethnic minorities and so they don't realize that although we're moving we're doing black lives matter and this is incredibly important 
doing that doesn't necessarily do, do being very tokenistic doesn't necessarily help us doesn't show us that you are for the cause it doesn't show us that you're trying to be anti-racist it just shows that you're seeing this as a business opportunity and just you know capitalizing off of this business opportunity and a lot of brands have done it and they've done it really badly um but there are some you know there are a few brands that have done it really really well um you know Gymshark being one of them they've done it really well um so yeah yeah, no, it's, it's such a good point. I love that you shouted out Gymshark um, just as you were finishing there because obviously as a client of ours, it's really I'm really grateful to see what they're doing with regards to to diversity and making sure that, um, that, yeah, that they're getting all views in the room. And I love what you were saying about the loudest brands have been doing the least work. That's such a poignant way of putting it um, that these brands think that, hey, you know what, like they're, they're normally the loudest in all other diverse situations, but with regards to something like this, they've been quite quiet. And then the tokenistic way to show allyship, that was such a great way of th- that you put it. And um, f- for me personally, I think it's, it's, it's important for brands to involve, especially if you're in, trying to engage with Gen Z, involve diverse Gen Z in the conversation and don't just try and, and guess what they want with regards mm-hmm. to diversity but actually involve them in the conversation obviously we were speaking about some of the challenges there just before i come to you anna lee what do you what 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 one or two things do you think brands could do to to show that that their that their desire to be more diverse isn't just something that, that's tokenistic I honestly don't think it should be outward facing. So I don't think we should necessarily be able to see it. Um, and I know that sounds that sounds absolutely crazy, but the reason why I've shouted up Gymshark is because as a black creative, I can see that they're doing the work by the way that they've shifted certain conversations, the way they've they approach certain things. And you can see and feel that. Um, so when you know, I think the way to go about doing it is to do the internal work, is to hire more diverse individuals, not just not just black individuals, but black people from working class backgrounds, from middle class backgrounds, from people that have degrees, from people that don't have degrees, just diversifying the whole thing and not just kind of putting black people into one box and thinking, if I hire you because of your skin colour, this is going to work. I think that's what they can do. Yeah, that's such a phenomenal answer. So Anna, I'm coming to you as a person who is very vocal and passionate about for the, the need for diversity in white spaces. What do you think? I just love what Lee has just said about a total diversity across all the spectrums, because this is definitely what I very firmly believe in. Because um, all you can... Um, all I can do is, of course, just share my perspective. But what, what I've noticed from just the general discourse is that there are a lot of people who seem to think that they're introducing the diversity policies or strategies for someone else, you know, for the consumer or for our diverse employees. But it's not for someone else. It is for you. Like It's for all of you. It's for all of us. Because when there is a lack of diversity across the spectrum, then every aspect of a company culture will degrade and then it will affect everyone. For example, if a brand is adamant to create a team that's fully representative of the ethnic backgrounds of their consumers, like this company's ability to include the viewpoints of people from different genders, from different nationalities, and what Lee said, from different socioeconomic status, uh, different uh, sexual orientation, like this ability will be very questionable. 
just because they won't have the capacity, they won't have the right, they won't have the diverse people to do it and to educate each other. And then it will impact everyone directly. Yeah, that's. I love the way you said that. The, the, the idea of putting in these policies is for all of us. You're not doing these things when you try and say, you know what, let's have diverse voices in the room where we're doing our branding, our marketing, our internal HR, anything we do as a brand, it should be putting everything in place so that all of us get to be heard and that all of us can benefit from it because it's not just for consumers, it's not just for the internal team, it's for everybody. And um, obviously you guys will both know that our mission at Imagine is to help Gen Z to shape their future. And we know that diversity is so key for this generation and brands need to need, really need to embrace that. And I, and I love what both of you guys were saying with that. Um, so as we're coming to a close, just wanted to let you know that we started Imagine This because we wanted to give the opportunity for brands, for Gen Z, who, anybody who's curious to hear from our Gen Z community. So if you have any questions that you'd love to hear our community answer, please feel free to shoot them over to me personally via DM or to drop us an email. Again, thank you so much to Anna Danichenko, who's our Gen Z community lead at Imagine. And thank you to Lee Grant, who is one of our amazing Gen Z community members. I've been your host, Jay Richards, and our mission at Imagine is to help Gen Z to shape their future. And we know the best way for them to do that is with brands, because brands shape countries and culture like many people only wish they could. So we enable agencies and brands to crowdsource feedback, ideas, or insights from our community of Gen Z consultants so that brands can build with Gen Z and not for Gen Z. If you'd love to hear more about that, then please feel free to reach out. If not, then please like, subscribe, and share. And we look forward to having you back on another episode of Imagine This.